Hello and welcome to the latest Media Mad Off Message podcast, the 8th, for which I deftly slipped past security at Communicore's Dublin City Centre HQ to chat media matters with News Talk's Lunchtime Live host, Dr. Kira Kelly. Over the next 50-odd minutes, we argue the toss about media censorship, social media bullying and detoxing, not having to hustle your way to the top, taking over a show after a high-profile controversy, and lots, lots more. Enjoy. Kira Kelly, thank you for taking part in the Off Message podcast. Delighted. Here we are in the... Uh, salubrious surroundings of uh, Marconi House, which is in uh, in the centre of Dublin, which is where you guys share offices with t- News Talk, Today FM, Spin, and Ninety Eight. We're all here. Wow, wow! The competition is unbelievable. <laughs> How did you end up here? I mean, you're by total accident. <laughs> Story of all our lives, I think, in this business. You're a doc, a qualified medical doctor. I am. I, it it has been a long and circuitous. Is that the, is that a real word or did I just make it up? I, I think we'll go with it we'll anyway because I know it. what you mean. Yeah, round the houses. Route. Um, you, I mean, you you didn't want to be a, a radio presenter when when you were a kid at school. I, no, no, I never it would never cross my mind. I can completely assure you. Um, I did get into the media largely through accident, uh, as as opposed to design. How it started. Actually, it's 10 years ago this year is my first foray into the media. I think that's a word too. Um, Happy anniversary. Thanks very much. And that was in the Sunday Independent. And how that came about was sort of peculiar too, in that my, it was a a little simple twist of fate. My daughter was in a a class in primary school with a a girl she was friendly with. That girl's mum worked for the Sunday Independent. Mm -hmm. We had a cup of coffee where we chatted about something to do with healthcare, and she came back to me after that conversation and said I, I I put your idea but it wasn't like a pitch for a thing we were chatting about something I put your idea at the end of that they'd like you to write a piece it would be good for a doctor to come out and say x yeah. y and z yeah, that yeah. you said over coffee in the paper and I nearly died right now because <laughs> you will find this perhaps Pat knowing me as you do difficult to believe but the idea that I would give my opinion in public 10 years ago, having never, ever done such a thing, was very threatening and unsettling and mm-hmm. worrying and not something I really wow. wanted to do. So I was like, oh, God, no, I don't know. Oh, no, jeepers. And I was very much kind of going, I don't think I can. And she was like, don't predict it because she worked. She's like, don't predict it. Just say what you said. And yeah. of course you'd do it. And I, I was very much kind of going... I, I don't know that I'd be able for that putting my head above the parapet and I had all these obstacles in my head why I wouldn't do it which were what would other people think more particularly what would other doctors think mm-hmm. uh, who am I to be commenting I remember what it was actually about it was about centralising cancer care which was Mary Harney's uh, policy at the time they were closing down peripheral hospitals oncology units so they were closing down Sligo and Letterkenny and various places And people were protesting and I said they were wrong to protest because the cancer services weren't up to scratch anyway and you're better off traveling and getting a better outcome somewhere else. That was a somewhat controversial view at the time. Anyway, so the the bottom line was I I was like, oh, God, no. And what would the doctors in in Sligo and Letterkenny think? And what would I, I just couldn't see why I would be the 
I'd come from a profession where expertise and the hierarchy, you know, the 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 the, the top tier got to talk mm. and they fed information down to the rest of us. And me kind of coming from one of the lower tiers and speaking in public seemed like a anathema and very worrying. And so I said, no, I couldn't possibly do such a thing. But then I kind of had a seed of an idea in the back of my mind, which was sort of along the lines of, well, wouldn't it be kind of cool when I was old, when I was an old lady in my dotage to say I wrote in the national newspapers once? I thought that would be kind of a good thing to say I did looking back. And then I also thought, and I think we can probably both agree on this, that there's an awful lot of gobdaws who who pontificate in in public in in Irish media and in society in general and I thought well if they can like why not me mm-hmm. and then I also well somebody if they're going to get somebody to say this sort of would it would it be okay if it was me and so I kind of ended up largely from the let's just do this the once and wouldn't it be mad I ended up writing an article and it went into the papers and it created a huge controversy that I didn't know it was going to do. I went into work on the Monday morning in the in the surgery and the phones were ringing off the hook with Leitrim FM and Sligo FM and the West is awake and all these places. And they were all gunning for me for what I had said. And I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, how this is like controversy. And I was really alarmed and I, and I thought, God, I'd never do that again. But the funny thing is you can't know when you throw a pebble into a a lake, you can't know where those ripples Mm. will take you. And what happened then was the Sunday Independent started ringing me and asking me to write things because it had gotten a lot of traction, Uh the article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, indeed a lot of traction. The Department of Health contacted me afterwards too to ask me my opinions on things. And I was kind of going, God, I didn't know that if you said things in public that people kind of react. I just didn't know. I didn't understand the consequences or the ramifications or anything because I wasn't in the media and I would have spent a lot of the first couple of years I was in the media largely writing occasionally in the Sunday Independent saying things Mm. I was always amazed at what came back from it and I didn't really understand it it is very powerful isn't it? and I didn't really know how to handle it Mm. either I felt very much in the beginning that working in the media was like having a tiger by the tail that on the one hand it was this very powerful thing that you were involved in the other hand it was very likely to come back and bite your head off Mm. so I had all of that but from doing that which was kind of an accident um, other people started to ask me to do things and for example TV3 asked me if I would become the resident doctor on their morning show at the time and I did that for a couple of years and also radio stations started to ask me and I started doing news talk as a contributor on the right hook okay let's just go back a, a couple of minutes there a couple of years or whatever you never wanted you never hustled like back in the day no in when i came out of i've said college, this before i hustled i did a show reel i went and i sent I it around i still don't have a show reel and i have never had one and actually i have never hustled for a job ever i hate you uh, well other i've said that before at media things and people have looked mm. at me and the funny thing is i didn't even know anyone hustled because mm. i never hustled so i didn't know people were hustling but it's funny as well because you came from a background of specific knowledge so when i was looking for work in television there were such thing as television and radio presenters now they still exist 
But if you are now making an architecture program, you'll get an architect in. If you're making a med, a, you know, you'll get doctors in. If you're making a fashion show, you'll get. Fa- I'd never get the head to a gig now. But back then, and you a fashion icon, I can't understand. I it. hadn't a clue. Uh, but uh, they threw me in at the deep end, and I managed to swim. But uh, now they would, and since then, on pre- subsequent incarnate, you know, and off the rails, they got in people from the fashion industry. So you come from a knowledgeable background in a certain area and so that opened doors i didn't have that i came out at you know communications out in dcu so i i did the hustle i still do the hustle every day of the week i was obviously very lucky mm. i did not do the hustle and what happened i suppose was tv3 approached me i became their their resident gp so once a week i did their show and i did a bit of local radio as well but i suppose what I you know and I did I did quite a few RTE but these were radio as shows contributors. yeah these as were, contributors as, yeah. so on, on RTE I would have done Marion Finucane and I would have done Sean yeah. O'Rourke and I would have done various you know and I've done Owen mm. McDermott and quite an and you know uh, but never presenting Nikki and Jenny these were and all, all as a yeah. guest so as a guest so I got a lot of contributor jobs but I suppose what I mostly where I mostly contributed would have been on the right hook with George Hook so George and I would have developed I suppose like a rapport where I became this kind of go to health person mm-hmm. but then it became broader and what happened then was he started bringing me in on things on working women or he started bringing me in on things on feminism or whatever and, and I started to become kind of a regular contributor like mm-hmm. a friend of the show mm-hmm. and I would have done quite a lot but again always a contributor always always that and where that went from there was George used to do his show Monday to Thursday as normal but on a Friday he used to do a thing called the Friday Right Hook which was a panel show that himself and David McIntyre who's on Off the Ball and Shane Coleman who's on News Talk Breakfast the three of them did a panel every Friday where they looked back at the stories of the week and they'd done it for a couple of years and it was very successful and people liked it and it was quite light-hearted and it was a bit of banter when one of them was off they started to use me as first sub so when dave was off or shane was off Mm. they would do shane kira and george or dave kira and george and that happened and then something changed as time went on and they just added me to the panel so then it became george shane kira and dave or dave kira and shane or whatever so Mm. we were a foursome and we did that for about a year and a half every friday we'd be on air for two and a half hours and it was some of the best crack I have ever had as a job because, the, well, the four of us were starting to get on very well. We're good mates. And but you were we being paid talk, to talk. Paid to talk and taken skites out of each other because mm, it was, it was, okay. it was, it yeah, was yeah. robust banter. <laughs> so there was no holds barred and you know, we would be throwing insults at each other and laughing our asses off and all that stuff. So, so that became a thing I did every Friday, but we, I was no longer talking about health or working women or feminism. I'm talking about, it could have been talking about somebody who dived off a soccer pitch or, or it could have been anything at mm, all. Mm-hmm. And that happened. And around the time that that happened, George started to use me as his fill. So, ah, yes. Okay, okay. So I became a fill-in presenter on national radio somehow that none of us could ever understand and suddenly you know if George was off or particularly on a bank holiday or he was away mm-hmm. or whatever I would come in and I would be like hello welcome to the right hook this is Kira Kelly and that happened and that surprised all of us I think and so that kind of went on from there and then I suppose really the next thing that happened was News Talk offered me a Saturday morning show which 
was my own and I never saw that one coming. Where was Operation Transformation in the telly amongst all this? Had that happened at that stage? Okay, let me go back a while because I could forget this myself. I did the telly for TV3 for about two and a half years. As the dock. As the dock. On the couch. On the couch, yeah. on the red couch, yeah. chatting away the with Martin King or whatever. Yes. All the crack. And it was like, very nice. But I have to say after about two odd years of that, I was kind of done with it. Not in a bad way, but I kind of felt been there done that it wasn't going to change and i i had enjoyed it but the learning curve i'm i'm peculiar in that if something if i feel i've done it as much as i can do it with anything i kind of go well i it's time for me to stop i'm i I gave it up i didn't have any other tv gig to go to i just said no i've had enough of it and that was fine might have done that a couple of times yeah so it was all good and Mm. there was no problem and that was i think in 20 oh i don't know 2012 or something like that maybe but I know the following year, anyway, what happened was I got a phone call from RTE to say, hello, Kira, your name has come up as somebody who we were wondering, would you try out for a screen test for a series we're making called Doctors on Call, which was uh, a series that Gavin Jennings of Morning Ireland mm-hmm. was fronting. But there was a team behind him of Doctors on Call and they asked right. me yeah. if I yeah. would be one of them. Or would I try out to be one of them? So I went into RTE. I did a screen test. I can't remember what I did. Some piece to camera or something or other. And literally... You don't remember your screen test? Not at all. Crikey. I, I remember my screen. Oh, here. My new detail. No, God, no. I remember it was in one of those old Victorian buildings, though, right. that are in... You know, the ones, the houses. Around the place. Yeah. yeah it was in one house of them. And I had to kind of walk and talk, which is more challenging than I realised. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember at all what I said or anything. And they said, Grand, we'll give you a shout. Maybe kind of we'll don't call us don't we'll call, call us, you yeah, and yeah. I said fine but they did call me about a week later and said uh, can you start next week we want you so I became one of the presenters and doctors on call when you got that call how did you feel I thought it was a bit exciting but I was really quite like bear in mind I'm were you a bit nonchalant about it at the I'm same time very, I've got, it's awful. I do hate you I know because oh, I, I remember getting the head rem- call and but I, you, like, see, you have to bear in mind I'm there with my four kids and I'm running my own business yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, doing all that stuff so it's not and I'm not pursuing this. Yeah. In, this fell into my lap. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know they were making a series. I didn't look. I didn't have an agent. Nobody was pitching anything. Yeah. And I just got asked to come in and try out for something. So I did that then. And while I was doing that, while I was doing that show, they asked me if I would do a screen test for Operation Transformation because Ava okay. Orsman had decided to leave. I don't know if that was publicly announced yet that she had decided to leave. But either way... They asked me would I do a screen test for that. I did so OT a, was going out. I did another screen test already. for that with the OT crowd. Yeah. And then about a week later they offered me that. So while I was making Doctors on Call I got offered Operation Transformation. Yeah. And then I did Operation Transformation. Five series of Operation Transformation. And two series of Celebrity Operation Transformation. So seven series of that and all. Uh, and that's a long big I, commitment that was a long time yeah, I've made yeah. nine nine series for for RT in the last five years oh, wow. I okay. also made while well, I was making Operation Transformation and I made another one called Body Shopping that I also just somebody came to me and said will you do a screen test for this and I did and I did that series too that was on um, RT too right so they kind of they I've been lucky and I know I've been that's, lucky that, that is r- as someone who has written about in the blog, the I've been very lucky. And whatever. Yeah. Wow. I'm yeah, and but I suppose very lucky. if I was being honest, my what I really, really wanted to do was radio because 
I was in the lucky position. I already had a career. I already had had achieved things I, you know, wanted in my life. And I already had had kind of gotten to a stage where I was in my 40s. You know, my, my family had the kids. I had all the things that I might have wanted in that sense. So I kind of wanted to do things if I was going to do new things that I was interested in and that excited me rather than anything else. Mm. I wasn't looking for an income. I wasn't looking for a career. I was looking to do stuff that I was interested in. Had you caught at this stage the radio bug? Yes. And do you remember, when that was there a moment or was it a gradual the thing? The Friday right hook was one of the most joyful experiences of my life. You used to look forward to I used to skip in here of a Friday. I used to enjoy every moment of the of the pre-production, of the post-production, of being on air. And the guys I was working with, I had huge and still do affection and respect and liking for. And I just loved it. And I loved it. And I realized, oh, my God, what an incredible job Mm -hmm. where you get to talk about stuff that's interesting in the world, in the news, in the moment, meet interesting people. It's all very spontaneous, spontaneous. What is it? Spontaneous. Spontaneous, even. Go with spontaneous. Go with that. That's obviously a word too. go with spontaneous. And it was just great fun. Mm. Great crack. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. And and at that point, I kind of went, oh, yeah, I love this. I totally love this. So when. When News Talk offered me Alive and Kicking on a Saturday morning, I thought I was, like, I'd won the lotto. I had my own radio show on a Saturday morning. No, it started on a Sunday morning. It was moved to a Saturday morning on News Talk. Couldn't believe it. Where did that fit in with the pilot that you and I and Gareth O'Connor, he wrote me into it. Uh, (laughs) You guys were planning... Uh, uh, I don't know who I don't know the background to this so fill me in I know you guys had an idea for a radio program you pitched to RT Radio 1 I ended up kind of producing the pilot this was pre Alive and Kicking wasn't it pre Alive and Kicking I hadn't got a radio show here and RTE were looking for submissions and I was at that point kind of going God, there's nothing I like more than radio. Okay. And so Orty were looking for people to this make... This was through the independent radio... Production, uh, production things. Thing. Yeah, IRP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orty were looking for people to, to make pilots. Mm-hmm. They were funding people to make pilots. And Not so, with a lot of money. No. <laughs> I think we all got <laughs> about, about 25 <laughs> pence punts or something. For, but anyway, yeah, no, in fairness, they, 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 they funded it. Yeah. Uh, and I made a pilot for Radio 1. At that time, oh God, 2015, well, 16? Yeah, I was, I was going to say four the, years the ago, years maybe 14. Are, the, I don't know. I was on Liveline because I remember I produced Liveline. I came off air. <laughs> I remember. I went back up you to the upstairs, office. You ran upstairs, came in and sat. Dumped my stuff yeah. and then came back yeah. down to you guys and you guys were ready yeah. to go. So uh, and, and, and we Gareth made that. was there and... Um, various RT people were sitting in, yes, in the control room. Yes, was people room taking notes and everything. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. what 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 happened then was um, because I had made the pilot for RT, then I was chatting to RTE about doing things for RTE, and I'd obviously been a long-standing contributor and filler inner in news talk. And at around the same time as that happened, then I, I was I was offered a live and kicking Did they around. get a whiff of the fact that you were <laughs> I wouldn't potentially like to say, going to, Pat, go to I the would opposition? Not, I would not like to make any such suggestion. So did you get your gig in News Talk because of me and Gareth? Can we have our percentage here, please? <laughs> uh, there's a grain of truth in all that. Um, but anyway, I never went to RTE. I yeah. stayed in News yeah, Talk. Yeah. And actually, 
in fairness, News Talk has been very good to me. Yeah. And I, I, I never really expected to get my own show. And when I did get a live and kicking, mm. I was ecstatic. But what was very possibly way more um, surprising and and actually way more exciting was ultimately being given a show on the daytime schedule, Lunchtime Live, which is what I do now and why we're here. And the lunchtime... No, wait, I'd be here whatever you were doing. But... <laughs> said he lying through his teeth. <laughs> um, the Lunchtime Live thing was, in its genesis, kind of controversial. Because... Okay, yeah, okay. Okay, we're going here, but that's that, okay. Well, we have to. Well, let's do it. We have to. I'm, 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 I was saying before we started, I'm always amazed at how media people don't like talking about the media. Don't mention the war. <laughs> yeah, don't mention... But you took over from George. I did. And George had lost his gig on... George uh, was suspended. He was suspended. He, but he, he, George still has a gig on News Talk. George is That's sitting right. in on Saturday That's mornings, right. eight yeah. to ten. Very successful show yeah. at the weekends. How was that here? Because you were caught up in the middle of it. Here was, as you said earlier, a good friend of yours at this stage. You'd worked George together. George is still a friend yeah. of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never said otherwise. Yes. And there are you caught up in the middle of all this and everyone was wanting to know what you thought of it. And like even he, now, I can see by the grimace on your face that it was it was was that hell to go through. But was it? Was it, it was a difficult time in news talk. I would suggest because news talk were getting a lot of stick for 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 all of of both what George had said and the handling of it and everything. So there was a lot of stuff going can on we at the time. Remind listeners of what George said. I don't think we should repeat what George said, but George made comments around uh, consent and was talking about sexual assault and things. And what he said, to be fair to him, I actually think he was mangling a point and he was trying to make a point that perhaps wasn't the point that he made, but was one that he... he Look, you and I have both done live radio. You can say things and they can come out. I've never made a mistake Always. ever in my media career. Yeah, ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on. The last blog post I wrote was about the mistakes I made. Yeah. Do, do, you know, do you know what I mean? But anyway, so, 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 so yeah, yeah it was tense in news talk. And then obviously George was um, getting a huge backlash against him and what he had said. But not and just for that one-off comment. People, I think, realised that George had a long history of... They may not have admired everything he said for a long time and this may be, and I'm speculating here, maybe what pushed was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I maybe wonder. that's true or not true. Mm. And and uh, I think George is a man of very strong opinions and when you have very strong opinions you will always have people who who either think you're dead right or you're dead wrong. And he's not here to defend And himself. he's not here. So, so George, so, there's an open invite to do an off And he might do podcast. it too. In he fairness. will do it, of course. He will. But, no better book him. But anyway, so so there was stuff. But I did I get a backlash? Yes, I did because I think a few things. One was I was a woman who was quite closely associated with George's radio show, mm-hmm. and therefore people thought I would uh, I should offer an opinion around it in some way because of that, and also because I have often come out and said that I am uh, quite strongly a feminist and all those types of mm-hmm. things, and so people thought that I would. That I would say things perhaps that I that I wasn't saying or that I was in some way letting down a team or I was doing something like that. And so there was some stuff, I suppose, thrown at me at the time. And I did come out and comment on all of it at the time. 
uh, I went on Marion Finucane's show and I was interviewed by Marion about everything at the time. I remember and listening, thinking she gave you a very soft interview at the time. Did you think so? I know so? you thought it was very tough. I thought it was very soft. I, I, uh, I... I wanted to be in their interview. Did you now? <laughs> yeah, I well, can't remember the detail well, of it the thing, at the time. I mean, like, I'll tell you, face and down... I've never listened Marianne, to a radio programme Marianne, without wanting to be in there thinking Marianne I could do Marion Marianne Fairness is a superb interviewer. Yes. And uh, one year ago, like there was two of us in the studio, I mean, when you're in the full glare of the headlights of Marion Finucane, mm. you know you have to stay on your toes. And so we did talk about it at the time and all yeah, that kind of stuff. And, and obviously, George came off the 7 to 7 schedule and went to the weekends. And yes, I was ultimately put in the chair. I was mm. put in the lunchtime chair. Mm. It wouldn't have happened. No. Without well, I, that. Well, certainly not at that time. Yeah. Um, very kindly, it has been said to me subsequently by the powers that be here that it was a matter of time and that actually George wasn't going to stay in the lunchtime show forever anyway and that in their minds the succession was going to be me but the timing of it was certainly okay. changed by events at the okay. time. Okay, okay. Um, how have you, how long have you been doing it? So three years? Are we, are one year. Was it only one it's year? One year is last year. God, it feels We like will be, uh, actually, do you know, in three weeks time we'll be one year on air. Okay, happy birthday. Thank you. It's right, okay early um how has it been it's been fantastic I, i've loved every minute of it um i you're now in the full glare oh, yeah. of the you know you were talking about earlier when you were going to write that column for the sunday independent and how would people react you're now a very opinionated presenter on a national radio station who me uh, I, what who, yeah, i know who? The, the innocence of it all. i'm a shrinking violet so surely pat you get in trouble i do yeah regularly Enough. i mean when i arrived in you were replying to something that was you know uh because you are there in the full glare of the public yes. eye uh, is that what you expected it to be? How I suppose my life has changed massively in 10 years. 10 years ago when I wrote that first article, I was a full-time GP in a kind of sleepy suburban town, raising my kids and, you know, not thinking of any of this stuff. But it's like I said about throwing a stone in a pond and mm -hmm. the ripples. I didn't know where throwing that stone was going to take me. Where it has taken me, it, it, it took me... It took me to more, you know, I'm a columnist now. I have a weekly column in the Sunday Independent. I used to be like a freelancer who, who they'd ask to do things. I didn't even pitch things. They used to ask me to do things. And then ultimately that changed and I I, I became a columnist. And then, uh, you know, I, I, bits of telly have, have, have... Have you got yourself an agent yet? I do have an agent. You, no. Yeah, no, do I do. Have, I've got an agent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 forgive me now, two years ago, three okay. years ago, something like that. Largely because I couldn't manage the, the work. The there was too many things kind of yeah. happening. I couldn't, I couldn't really... I, I'm very apologise to your agent for not going through them. And I'm very disorganised. <laughs> so I'm not the right person to manage my own okay. diary or my own right. invoices okay. or anything because I'm crap at that. Yeah. But so, it has got busier and oh, it's very busy. more requests but to it's, do things. It's different but now because I understand now yeah. the media in a way i didn't when i started ah, okay so i understand How? that it could bite me in the ass mm. for sure but i also understand that it is a privilege and it is a platform to say things and some of the things that you might say from time to time can be important they can mm. be you know uh, sometimes I, I do speak on things around feminism i do speak on things around health or or or, or whatever social commentary or whatever and i think that it is it is a privilege to have that role and even though 
could it all end in tears could it all end in ignominy of course it could because i've seen it happen to lots of other people mm. but having said that um i'm still happy i'm doing it and i'm still happy i've tried it and irrespective of how long it lasts or or what way it goes i wanted to do this i wanted in the end what has happened mm. i wanted to to have a radio show i wanted to talk to people and i often feel that when i'm on air that that I'm not just talking to into the ether or into the microphone. I'm talking to people. And I love that. And what I'm, kind of reaction do you get from listeners? I mean, it, it strikes me tone-wise sometimes as kind of like Liveline on Radio 1, which everyone will know as a brand. They're 100% dependent on callers. I've worked on that show. We're not. You're not. It's, no. But, but you do... We would be closer to an LBC model okay. where we would have guests and features and yeah. all of that. Yeah, yeah. And from those, we spark audience interaction. Do you, so, do you ever worry that you're just shit-stirring? Or that sometimes... No, because I don't think we... We don't go for always the lowest common denominator okay. at all. Mm. And uh, I have said on many occasions things that might make me personally unpopular or whatever because I think they're important to say or I'll stick to my guns on something or whatever and those things I think there's a value in that do you say things ever for knowing it'll get a reaction just for the reaction I think I would be lying if I didn't say that the way you say something on air is to Mm. try and spark thought or debate or reaction or interaction or whatever but I don't go for and and I, I would you can play back episodes or whatever. We don't go for lowest common denominator, you know, people coming over here, taking our jobs kind of lines. Yeah, okay. We don't do that. That's okay. not our show. Um, it's just not our show, you know. And I, I would give my opinion. And when I give my opinion, I'm being true about what my opinion is. And yes, I do give quite strong opinions sometimes. But actually, the reaction we get is really nice. And we have we get some negativity I don't, mm. nobody on air doesn't but we get an awful lot of really good interaction with people and we have done things on the show that I would be quite proud of and we have engaged on important issues and we have tried to highlight important issues like we try to highlight for example homelessness in the kind of the people in their late 50s early 60s stuff like that we've done we did stuff around cervical check that I thought was quite important when that whole thing broke um, we've done stuff uh, around sexual assault and about rape and about things like that that I would feel quite passionately about and we've gone hard at it uh, and we've sort of said sometimes unpalatable things about how, how women are viewed in our society and all that kind of stuff so no we don't go we try not to go low but we still want to get people engaged and we want to hear what people think and what people say and we get a lot of interaction and we're glad of it and it's a very different program because of all those examples you just gave them when George was there oh yeah but sure I, I'm the funny thing is is despite the fact that George and I are good mates mm-hmm. and get on really well and have always gotten on really well uh, I am a liberal feminist younger woman do you know what I mean so so I, my, my age is different my gender is different my politics are different and I suppose my liberalism is a bit different too but what I always liked about being on air with George was the fact that you can be on air with somebody of totally different position. You can have big debates and all that. And yet you can make great radio from having those kinds of debates and that argument and that to and fro. I like talking to people who I don't agree with all the time. I think there's a kind of a danger in only talking to people where there's consensus all the time because mm. I think that's a foolhardy thing to do. And I also think this, 
despite the fact that I wouldn't agree at all with the politics of people like David Quinn, I am fully supportive of people like him being given airtime. And for example, Kevin Myers, when he was, um, he wrote that article and then he, he no longer became a columnist after. Do you remember in the, in, yes. in, in the Times, yeah. the Times Ireland? I wrote an article about his article going, I, I hated everything he said, but I never wanted Kevin Myers to lose his job. Mm. Because to me, it is far better for us to have dissenting voices and argue and debate and engage with dissenting voices than say, you shouldn't be allowed think that or say that. I think free speech is a pillar of our democracy and I think we should protect it really, really robustly and we should not silence anybody apart from a tiny, tiny slice of Where speech. Where do you draw that line? Well, I think hate speech. Here's the thing, and it's... Uh, or incitement to violence. All right. But, I, I, but incitement I, I, to I, hatred. It, it's, it, you know, immigrants, women, uh, the working class. I don't think every... Where do you draw the line? I don't here think... Is, here is the thing, is that we have this great notion in our educated middle class, mostly white media here, that we can take on these people, you know, these extremists on whatever side, and we can turn them around in an argument. And every time they're on, they walk away having garnered publicity, and we haven't won the argument, and they're back on for more. And I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about the global picture. Okay, but that's interesting you say that, because I don't necessarily agree with you. Um, because I don't, I don't think that we can silence people who say things on the groups you mentioned. I Immigrants, you, I thought, women, the working hate. classes. This is hate. I no, thought no, no, you no, just no. said hate no, no, speech. No, 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 no. But Where oh, do we draw the line oh, of what's hate we, speech? I think we draw the line on things like incitement to discriminate or incitement to to violence. Things that I think because somebody is a sexist or a chauvinist. That's incitement to discriminate. No, 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 no. But somebody who I would happily take on a chauvinist a sexist and those and, but, but and you, you say to win. me but, you said or to will me, you win i mean do oh, you I think at think so. the end of it that people oh i like to think so pat well you see this is the thing and there's there, these these people that they keep turning up like bad yeah, pennies and they keep garnering really publicity and they keep winning their why do you think they're winning the argument because to because me they're, one of them is in the white their house very, one of them is in the white yeah, house yeah but you know why i think he got into the white house i said i think it's very similar to why we have brexit i think Calling people who support him deplorable, uh, saying you can't say this, you can't think that, that does nothing but cement and solidify the base of people like him who feel angry that they are being told that their mm. views are unacceptable. Yeah. I don't agree with doing that. I think you take him on, you lampoon him for the idiot that he is, the blustering fool he has been of a man. And I'll bet you he ends up in the White House again. Well, an incumbent always has a slight advantage, yeah, so that may yeah. well happen. But the thing about it is this is, I think we are already losing the argument when we say your view is unacceptable and I'm not going to listen and you shouldn't even be allowed mm. to say it. I think you're already losing then. I would rather but engage free, with free, anybody. Free speech is not free access to, to the media. We already censor people. We make editorial decisions every day of the week of about who can and who can't yeah. come on. There's nothing new about that. Um, but I don't but think we can only speech, bring on people with the same set no, of views. No, I, I don't. I, I, but you bring on people who have articulate, interesting, uh, not hate-filled, not discriminatory views, you, you, who are based on logic and science and I not on well, not othering people on, on, and whatever. On logic and you science, I mean? for example, I don't think the Iona Institute should be silenced. I And they aren't logic and science. Um, but having said that, I think they're possibly a little bit overrepresented in, in the mm. media because they don't represent a huge constituency, really. But I don't want to see 
conservative voices, dissenting voices, voices that don't agree with me, Silas. I think it's di- not because not, that's I not, think it's a that failed. Is not what I'm saying. I think it's a failed tactic, and I think yeah, it's yeah. one of the reasons that yeah, they're yeah. growing in yeah, power yeah. is we oh, can say, "Oh my God, you can't say I such things." I understand why they're growing in power because uh, if they are, um, and whether it's a temporary thing or whether it's a permanent thing, I don't know. Um, they're pushing against an open door because all media have an agenda, and we have lied through our teeth. You know about journalism being objective and pure, and after you know there the story, there is some objective reporting. And there is there, some, but, but, yeah, there, but there is some. But, but a lot of but, what journalism has become nowadays is opinion. But also, we kowtow to advertisers. We don't have a, an income if we don't, um, and so we we don't go places that. And you, so people are saying, but you can look at public service broadcasting like the BBC, which don't kowtow. But they have to kowtow to the government because then they don't. They won't get their license. And you, and you fee. find it very hard to so, hear an, an anti-Brexit position that, yeah. that is given fair hearing yeah. on the BBC. So, so there is always an agenda, yeah. and there is always people edit- spot that yes. agenda. And so those who have exploited that agenda mm-hmm. by calling fake news and whatever. Anyway, we're not going to sort that today. No. So, whatever about fake news and letting people on air or whatever. Is there, and I get the feeling there isn't. Uh, every time I ask this question, I get the same answer. Is there a typical day? Is there, what's your work day yeah, like? Yeah, there is a typical enough day. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, there is. Um, there is the come in here in the morning and there's pre-production for What a time? Around 10. Okay, to Not be on air at, at, at 12. At 12, you're only in at 10, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, Does that mean you do a lot of the work after the show for the next day? We do work after day? the show too, yeah, for sure. Um, now sometimes I'd be in before four ten, um, but around around then, um, the how pre- much of the show set up by the time you come in? Usually there's there's a loose running order with ideas or whatever. Mm. But our show because there's a lot of interaction, some of our show will be caller driven, and and so sometimes you do end up literally ripping up a running order. And mm. I remember very clearly, for example, on the day that the cervical check uh, issues broke in the media, and there was the whole. Um, issues around there was a helpline for women and people were texting the show going that helpline there's nobody answering the phone oh right I remember it's that co- yeah. all of that yeah, yeah. we went and we tore up the running order and I went on air and I said I know people are afraid I know people are having a problem with this I know you can't get through to anybody call us I'll talk to you I'll literally we just go live and we, we dropped guests and everything mm. and we literally became almost sort of like a health helpline help on air yeah. kind of going what are you worrying about let me try and help with this because there was there was a huge amount of fear around that that when that all happened and a lot of anxiety and a lot of scaremongering a lot of people politicizing the issue and all sorts of stuff so so there's a fluidity to it so you could actually go on air with one show that you think you're going to do and end up doing a different show and that's okay too um but But that's a that's rare look there's a bit of fluidity to the whole mm. thing and there is that flying by the seat of your pants live radio stuff where it's very possible and it has happened and it does happen and it will happen again where you go on air and you think your 12 o'clock is something and a guest falls so, you know the phone line goes or <laughs> yeah. somebody's stuck in traffic and then you're like okay now yeah, we're yeah. still yeah, live yeah. on air yeah. but now we are not doing yeah, what I, we thought I remember the first time that happened to me producing John Murray and at about 10 to 9 um, we phoned Limerick and there was no answer and someone was a guest was supposed to be in Limerick we phoned the guest and they were stuck in traffic and the sound engineer was stuck in traffic so neither of them had made so so we I just looked around and went 
Hmm. So this is live radio. Okay. What do we do? Live. And, we and isn't that the, yeah. the the thrill and the beauty of it too? That yeah, then yeah. you have to just go with whatever. And so there's that. Then you go on air at twelve, and for two hours we do live radio. There's guests. There's callers. There's interaction. We do all that stuff. We come off at two. We do post production stuff. We do a debrief. We do forward planning. We do all that sort of stuff. And then it depends. I mean, tomorrow I'm actually going out to do. Uh, uh, a live report from uh, off-site but we you know occasionally do stuff like that or whatever um, there's quite a lot of production around the show longer term that isn't done obviously in the morning is devoted to the shows you're about to make but in the afternoons there will be more of a well what are we going to be doing in an overarching way and mm. all that kind of stuff but then equally I would do a lot of other things as in you know, I've got columns to write or I might be doing a podcast like I'm doing with you right now or I might be going and doing public speaking in some way mm. or something like that. So my day is a little bit varied. Uh, but it's, it's you know, it's always good. It's always interesting. It's always different. Um, it's fairly busy, but it's, it there's variety in it and I like the lack of a, pattern in some ways because it is a bit like I, you know some weeks I'm hectic and I could be mm. I could be occupied from 8 in the morning till 12 at night and some days less so but it, it's but you have a solid base to work I have off. a solid you base of every every day I'm here yeah you have the program I have every day I'm, I'm, I'm here and for the, the rest program. then who knows the column is, is once yeah. a week as well so that that exists and then I have other bits and pieces you recently took a social media, I, I hate the word detox, but you, you you took time off social media. What was that about? We had a guest in, uh, Dermot Ling, who is a kind of mental health advocate. And he's the guy who founded a thing called Facebook Free February, which was get off Facebook for a month, see how you go. And he was doing it again, uh, scroll free September. And we brought him on to talk about it. We didn't bring him on until I think it was the 12th or something of September, just the way it fell. And he was telling us why he would suggest people do this. And I said, you know what? I'm definitely somebody who spends too much time on social media and it interferes with lots of things. How does it interfere? Well, I think, first of all, it's a sinkhole for time. So you're on it, you're, you're, you know, you're wasting your time when you could be doing other more productive things. Um, second of all, I think it's a distraction. So I think you're less present maybe in your real life when you're kind of distracted by the little notifications popping up or whatever um and you also can turn the notifications off you i know. have them turned off but i still um, go back to check them like oh, okay. a fool yeah but you can check them irre- you can spread out that checking you can but i anyway i i felt i was more present with, anyway mm. i went off and i definitely got more things done how long were you off 12 days was that all yeah no, it wasn't, okay it wasn't sorry that i long. thought it was longer no it wasn't that long uh 12 days and i found a few things i did find i felt more present in my real life i did find i had more time to do when things when you were present in your real life were you glad you were <laughs> did you look around going oh let me back on social media no this I actually real thought, life is gosh, awful no no i actually did the opposite in a way i also found which was interesting to me my anxiety levels went down oh because sometimes as you i'm sure you're aware yourself uh what you get on social media is not all the milk of human kindness oh, and no. positivity it's the West out there. Uh, yeah and yeah, yeah. and you do you get people kind of going i'm going to have a pop at this one or whatever now and so i realized like even when you tune that out and you mute people and you block people mm. or whatever it is you do uh, even the fact that you have to see it and then mute them and block yes. them they, there's a little <coughs> kind of reaction to things and they, it kind of can chip away at your soul a little bit if you if you let it um, and I thought I was quite good 
at not letting it get in on me I've I've been in lots of social media kind of storms over the mm. years um, and I've weathered them I thought relatively well but I found there was a relief to not being on and so what I started doing while I was off which I really did like was started walking and exercising a bit more and reading which I had missed books like books like paper ones not even the kindle that'll never take I know I know I know so reading books and stuff and I found it was restorative in a way I, I hadn't foreseen it would be I read research recently that didn't surprise me in the least American research about uh uh, journalists and social media and female journalists were the ones who got most of the abuse. Is that a pattern you'd recognise here? I think I have been relatively lucky. I'm not saying I don't get abuse because I do. But I haven't seen... I, I've seen some some horrendous abuse that some people have taken online. And, you know... For simple things, and I think this brings us me back to what we were saying earlier about free speech. For somebody offering an opinion, maybe that isn't a popular one, and sometimes I can I can read what they're saying, and I realize that they're actually just trying to have a conversation, but that nuance is lost. And what happens is now there's a pile on of people attacking them and, mm. and loads there's and loads no of non-verbal them. communication no, no, no. going on. And, and and I've been on the receiving end of it. I have, and I've taken on more than one occasion. I remember. When I was on Operation Transformation, that was the first time I had a big negative backlash ever, was I had criticised somebody on Operation Transformation, one of the leaders, for drinking alcohol on the programme. And I didn't really think of it unduly when it happened. We had a bit of a spat in the way in in the studio. But, um, of course, it was edited, so it looked like I was hard, maybe, on her. And there was an almost universally negative backlash on that that went on for days and mm. where there was hundreds if not thousands of notifications all saying wow you suck basically that's a lot of notifications yeah and they went on and on and on i remember that went out on a wednesday night and still on the saturday night they were coming in including people saying things like you know uh, you should die or kill yourself or the usual whatever very whatever. restrained yeah 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 <laughs> not, you know what I mean proportionate wow. re- uh, response to that wow. and that was the first time and also what also happened and again I thought I knew the media but I've learned so much over the years I remember the day after it went to air walking my kids to school and there's a centra beside their the gate of their school and going in to get a coffee or something and there's a there was a layout of newspapers that are kind of on the on the shelf that you could sort of see them all laid out all the different newspapers Mm -hmm. and my face was on pretty much every tabloid with a big angry head in me kind of looking like I was giving out to somebody and I went oh my god you are dancing with the devil I didn't you are dancing not that. only on social media yeah, yeah. Just to, oh um, yeah 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 uh, but Barbara Windsor was it who said about fame she said you know if you don't like the treatment you get when you're famous step away from it yeah. because it goes with the territory yeah no it does go with the territory so so look do you know what I, I believe that women get worse stick mm. uh, I have gotten lots of stick um, I think compared to some women in the media I've been relatively lucky actually um, and I think that is I wouldn't necessarily take me on, uh, you know. I, 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 I'm not backwards about coming forwards about defending my opinions or about 
um, slapping people down if they're giving me a really hard so time if I stand up. They t- only take on the softer targets, or oh, I think it's a blood sport. I think if they smell weakness in you, or mm, if they okay. think that you are likely to be hurt or upset or undermined or whatever, they go at you harder. I think, in fact, my experience of it has been almost the less apologetic you are about it. What happened with that drink situation mm-hmm. with Operation? Um, I write for the Sunday Independent. They saw what was going on. They saw that I was getting it in the neck every which way. And in fairness, Cormac, the editor, uh, contacted me. Says, "Do you want a, a right to reply? You're getting it like left, right, and centre." And I said yes. And I wrote a very, very unapologetic article in the Sunday Independent. Not my, my my regular column. I was in that's in the living section, but in the main body of the paper, I wrote a very unapologetic thing about our drink culture. And I referred to it. I said, you know, I'm getting this in the neck. I said because I had the temerity to take on our national pastime, drinking, and I did not give an inch on the whole thing. And I said. Only in Ireland would you be surprised if a doctor on a flagship health programme had an issue with somebody getting drunk. Only in Ireland would that be considered noteworthy. And I wrote a fairly blistering thing. And it was interesting because what happened then was people started to move on their opinion. And suddenly I was, she should be minister for health. That one. <laughs> and it literally, and that, that taught me a lot, Pat, oh, wow. about the fickle nature yeah. of, of the scrum that forms around people. And then I went on the following week on the Brendan O'Connor Saturday Night Show, and he asked me to, you know, articulate articulate my position. And again, I said, look, this is how I see it. I I think we have an issue with young male suicide in this country that we wring our hands about, yet we know that about half of all suicides have alcohol on board and our our young men are drinking heavily. We know that one of the biggest risk factors for suicide is heavy drinking, but we're not allowed to criticise drinking. The conversation has moved on a lot since then, but when I was saying that at the time, very few people were saying it and I absolutely refused to back down and the more I refused to back down the more people started saying that woman is a great woman and I was like mm. oh my god so that's how this works so it's it went like, from one extreme to uh, the other yeah and um, that's the media I mean you'd make a lousy minister for health let's be honest <laughs> I'm not looking for that gig let me tell you I have enough gigs but uh, yeah get no, on to your no, agent quick no 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 I no, believe no. there's a presidency oh no you've missed it you've missed a deadline <laughs> on, on that for, one for, on this round <laughs> oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. but the whole point of it is yeah look I learned a lot from the fact that you that popularity is a little bit ephemeral it comes it goes and you know what you can be in and you can be out and you can be back in again and uh, like i i think you have to stand back a little bit from it and certainly don't chase it because i think you make a stick for your own back if if all you want is for people to like you well then don't give an opinion because if you're gonna do do that Mm. uh that's never gonna work um and to me i i feel very lucky in my job and very privileged and i am not gonna stop saying it like i see it good bad or indifferent um i i I just think i probably toughened up too um we'll finish on um we were talking about social media consumption and going off it what what what's your own media consumption do you listen to the radio do you watch television read newspapers listen to the radio a huge amount uh that would be why because I enjoy it I like it now it's obviously it feeds content for me too Mm. and I need to be across uh, the news and issues and all that but I like it I was a radio you listen to the competition as well do you listen to I listen to all sorts of different things and then when I wanted to tune it all out I listen to music I listen to a lot of music Um, I do read the papers too I suppose physical papers or online papers probably mostly online papers Mm. but I do like to buy the Sunday papers and that's still like a cup of coffee and you know, I know I don't get through them because they're all fairly full and Never all that. Do, yeah. No, but I do enjoy that. That's still a nice thing to do. Um, 
what I don't watch a huge amount of truthfully is television. Uh, now I pick and choose some programs and I certainly would look at some programs like like the Prime Times or the Tonight Shows or, uh, uh, you know, Claire Byrne or various things mm. like that. I would watch a degree of, of current affairs. But in general, I have zero interest in most uh, television shows. Um, I don't watch any soap operas or stuff like that. Do you download? Do you stream? I do go on to the likes of Netflix and things like that. Mm. But I tend to mostly watch movies like I would watch movies and okay. films rather than you know I, I haven't been great I have followed some series like the Games of Thrones or the um, the what are the ones the what's the one with Frank Underwood don't ask me I don't watch drama on television shock horror not the West Wing the other political one with the, the president anyway it doesn't matter mm. I can't even remember you see I can't even remember yeah, the yeah. name but I have followed like series on what the crown Podcasts I, I listen to occasionally, but um, because I suppose I am so one immersed in, in things like radio and I'm, I'm keeping abreast of other things, mm. I don't have a huge amount of space for them. There's a few of them that I tend to dip in and out of, um, but there's not enough hours in the day, to be honest. And I'm also relatively busy, so I don't um, probably get to listen to as much as I should. Mm. Um, if you were starting out now, in the media in the media two things what 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 advice would you give and i, I know it's a corny old question but actually it, it can sometimes reveal a lot what advice would you give to someone who is looking at you going you know i want to be the new kira kelly um and and the, all right we'll start with that what do you say to someone who wants to i would say first of all mind yourself because i think the media breeds insecurity and can also feel sometimes like a slightly out of control uh job to have that mm. you're kind of lurching from one thing to another and it's it's in some ways i'm not sorry i came to it older rather than younger um and i i just think mind yourself is is an important thing and the other thing i would say is and it's not unlike advice that george Fook gave me which was be true to yourself. Be who you actually are because they will see through you if you're not. And maybe they'll like you if you're you and maybe they won't like you if you're you. But you know what? If you're not you, you'll look like you're not mm. you and that's that you're going to fail anyway. So hope, be true to yourself and hope for the best. And, and Get lucky. Get lucky and, and mind yourself a little bit because you, you'll have bad days in the media. There's no doubt about uh, oh, it. You'll have scary. bad days. You'll have low days. And you'll have days where you question not only why you're doing it, but who you are and what your value is and everything about yourself. And that is why I say I, I think it's not a bad thing. I was a bit older because I don't know if I would have coped with the media in my 20s. I don't know that I would have. Um, and I didn't get into it at all till I was in my 30s. Mind you, and in even, your 20s, it was a very different beast than it is now. Maybe. I say I don't know that because yeah. I wasn't there. Um, but in my 30s, when I got into it, uh, it was challenging enough. And I was kind of lucky. I wasn't hustling. It was kind of coming to me. It wasn't the other way around. I still see you wince when I say that. <laughs> but but just mind yourself mm. and, and value yourself. And know that if you get in, and, and I think most media careers, you're one of the exceptions. Most media careers... For a lot of people, they get in and then they get out because it churns people up and spits them out. Mm. 
And so don't never, don't necessarily expect it to be forever. Get into it if you think you're going to enjoy it. And while you're in it, enjoy it. And then maybe be prepared for having something to do afterwards because I don't know how long it will last for any of us. A lot of people in the media are there because they are flavor of the month. And you will not always be by definition, flavour of the month. Certainly that's if you're right front, if you're on mic or on camera, yeah. you know, that flavour of the month thing happens. Well, speaking of long lasting, what's next? Where do you go from here? Where, what, what would you like to do if I said to you now, Kira, the world's your oyster, what do you want to do? I'd like to write books. Uh, I love writing. I, I mean, I really enjoy writing columns and all F- that. Fiction, non yeah. fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoy that. And it's something that since i have been young i wanted to do and have i have you ideas i do Ooh. i do indeed Ooh. yes uh, i remember the day i qualified as a doctor and people this is gonna sound weird people came up to me loads of people saying oh it's amazing you're a doctor and like how do you feel you're a doctor is this is... and i remember thinking i don't know why they're all getting so excited it's like a doctor it's not just that big of a deal in my head what i thought was a big deal is if somebody ever came up to me and said are you an author that to me was what I would have thought would have felt like a sense of achievement. And I would hope that before, again, like when I'm an old one in the rocking chair, I'd like to look back and say I've written at least a book, one book. Can you double job? Can you do that? while ah, you're yeah. Do- yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah, for sure I can. It's yeah. not necessarily going to be speedy because it's not like I can sit in, in front of a laptop for eight hours a day. Um but I, I look where there's a will, there's a way. Anyway, always. I'd never, I'd never suggest. When should we keep an eye out for these, these, <laughs> this, this, these books arriving? By the, by G- the new time. Give me at least a year. Give me at least. Really, a year. that yeah. soon? Yeah, maybe two, but give me at least a year. Okay, okay. Fair but I'm not long fingering, like not, not a decade. And you're not procrastinating on it. Have you started? I have started. Ah, okay. So you have a, a, a you have a, a plot and characters. And I do. I look forward. So a year. Yeah, defo at least. Defo at least. (laughs) (laughs) On that tantalising note, Kira (laughs) Kelly. (laughs) Thanks a million. Thank you, Pat. So thanks again to Kira Kelly for our off-message podcast number eight chat. If you fancy investigating previous episodes, they're all available for streaming or downloading at SoundCloud, Google and Apple Podcasts and all the other usual suspects. You can subscribe to future Media Savvy off-message podcasts there or if you sign up via the subscription form on any off-message post over at patomahony.ie you'll also get a head-of-the-pack notice of equally riveting off-message blog posts. And of course you can follow and like off-message on Twitter and Facebook at offmessage1. As usual all shares and shout-outs are greatly appreciated. Till the next time I'm Pat O'Mahony, this is Off Message, and thank you for listening.